If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out GuardianVets.com now. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Before we jump into today's episode with Woody Mowinney, CEO, co-founder of P- Policy, <laughs> which I'm struggling. This is the second time we've recorded it. P-O-L-I-C-Y, you got yeah. it. P-A-W-L-I-C-Y, which Isaiah cannot pronounce and I will probably butcher a couple more times. I'm going to quickly hit our sponsors. We're leaving this in, even with all my errors that help make the podcast possible. So we'll uh, be right back. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. You've heard me talk about the opportunity in urgent care. So VetCheck believes in the power of your capacity to influence your patients, patient families, and be a leader in your community. How they do this is by giving you the freedom to take ownership of your future to make the biggest impact in your patients' lives. They equip you with a turnkey opportunity to take action on the dream through a unique pathway to owning your own VetCheck Pet Urgent Care Center franchise. They provide a solution to remove obstacles like competing against corporate dollars in the community that you want to be in and having access to hospital ownership, medical directorship, and more. Also, you become a partner along the journey. A vet check pet urgent care center franchise is the answer. If you're interested, check out episode number 80, where I talked to Dr. Siva and he shares more about his story and the opportunity. So if this sounds like something that's interesting, you reach out and learn how you can own your own vet check pet urgent care center franchise today by visiting vetcheckforpets.com, which again is vetcheckforpets.com. All right. As I mentioned, joined by Woody and he is the CEO and co-founder of policy, which I said correctly this time. And Policy Advisor is a pet health platform, insurance marketplace, and employer benefit provider. They make pet care accessible by guiding pet owners and employees to the best coverage and up to 75% savings, which is awesome. Who doesn't love savings on things that we spend money on? They're in all 50 states and Washington, D.C. Woody, this has been a long time coming. I'm super excited to talk to you. And for those, we don't keep video, but broken arm, off of painkillers to come onto the podcast. So thank you, Woody, for the time. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So yeah, you broke your arm skiing, but you still showed up for the podcast interview and I really, really appreciate it. And outside of me butchering the name, which I'm going to try not to do throughout, can you explain policy? And for those that maybe aren't familiar with like the offering, just kind of like a high level broad, this is what we do, how we do it. And then we'll kind of unpack different things as we go from there. Yeah, Absolutely. So Policy Advisor is like Priceline, Kayak, Expedia for pet insurance. Policy Advisor doesn't offer its own pet insurance product. Instead, our focus is on helping pet owners navigate 
their different options, which includes navigating things like coverage and how it applies to your pet's unique needs. Each breed is different. They come down with different health conditions. So how does an insurance policy best fit those needs and risks? And also how the insurance policy is going to affect you in terms of cost. And when we think about costs, we think about the holistic experience with that product, which means over your pet's typical lifespan, how would you expect the cost to vary over time? And what could you expect to pay over that period? So rather than focus on what looks most affordable today, because we know that insurance costs will increase over time for each pet, and those increases can vary by provider, we think about it in terms of what is this going to cost you over your pet's lifespan? And so we marry those two sets of data regarding coverage and price to educate you about your different options and help you find the right match. And then for those pet owners who may have a pet that's currently sick or who has a pre-existing condition, we've recently added to the platform solutions for pre-existing conditions. This would be like the care credits of the world to help pet owners afford those emergency situations. So Occasionally, we get a pet owner coming to policy advisor from the waiting room of their vet who needs an immediate solution. And in the past, those pet owners have sometimes bought pet insurance thinking it will cover their existing emergency. And then they have a bad experience with the product because pet insurance doesn't typically cover pre-existing conditions. So we want to help people navigate to the right product for them. And sometimes that actually isn't insurance. There's two things there I wanted to unpack, but let's jump into the partnership with CareCredit because that's newer in talking about the pre-existing conditions. Can you kind of outline, I think a lot of people are very, very familiar with CareCredit and I know it's probably the most used platform and is pretty much everywhere. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship with CareCredit? Sure. So whenever we make a product decision about who to add to our platform or what to work on next, we think about it in terms of demand. And we have over 400,000 people coming to policy.com per month. And we began seeing a trend where people were looking for more options for pre-existing conditions. And in order to provide that world-class service that we expect on our platform, we realized we really needed to prioritize adding a financing provider to our platform. And our ethos, again, is the idea of partnering, not building a product ourselves. We want to be an objective voice of the pet owner to help them navigate their solutions that exist in the veterinary space. And so when we thought about partnering, we wanted to partner with the companies that had the biggest presence, that had the best brands, that had the best track record. And Care Credit immediately came to mind. And it took some time to get this over the finish line. But ultimately, what that product experience is for the pet owner is if you go through Policy Advisor's website and you say that you have pre-existing conditions, Front and center on our site is going to be an application to care credit, as well as intuitive language to help you understand what it is, how it works, and how it's different from insurance. And then if you apply for a product like care credit, you still have an opportunity to learn more about insurance and how it might relate to that existing condition that your pet may have. Because usually it's that first emergency that occurs that actually gets a pet owner interested in insurance and how it might apply to them. And we like to tell pet owners all the time that while pet insurance won't cover that existing condition, it will cover future unrelated emergencies. So it may be worth using this as a wake-up call and protecting against the next event. So it's been very complimentary, and we've really enjoyed working with the Care Credit team to add this offering to our platform. Yep. And then on the other thing you talked about of looking at the cost over the kind of the lifespan of that pet which makes total sense, right? Like, oh, it's not just the lowest premium today, but what is this actually going to look like over time? 
as those premiums increase and change and adjust, what is the typical insurance structure that you see and how are they different? Can you talk a little bit about just different providers and what that looks like at a, kind of a higher level? We don't necessarily need to be like, hey, when it's a German shepherd, this is you know the breakdown of, right. of whatever it is. But just for those that may be less clear about just kind of what the world of insurance looks like. Yeah, absolutely. The world of insurance can be quite complex if you navigate all the different variables. And so our job is to try to simplify that as much as possible. In thinking through price and the differences between providers specifically, I, I'm happy to give an example of kind of how stark the contrast is. We did an analysis of a higher cost breed, a French bulldog in a higher cost area of Manhattan. And what makes an area more expensive than another area is really just the veterinary costs in that area. So in Manhattan, real estate prices are quite a bit higher and that funnels down to the cost that consumers pay at the bet. And so insurance premiums bake all of that into the cost of the insurance premium. And what we found was that over a French Bulldog's typical lifespan, say 10, 11 years, the difference in cumulative premium that a pet owner would pay for insurance policies, the difference was upwards of $50,000 between some of these providers. And on day one, when you look at the insurance product, the difference might be as simple as $1 to $5 or so per month in your insurance policy. And pet owners are typically fairly price sensitive. And so the idea of converting them at a certain price and then increasing prices over time is relatively common in the space. It also is a function of how quickly your pet's health needs become more serious over time. That risk is pretty steep the older your pet gets, depending on the pet breed. So when we look at that price, we try to coach people on, okay, you shouldn't be focused on saving that $1 to $2 now. You should be focused on saving those tens of thousands of dollars over your pet's lifespan because the goal should be covering the cost of care not only today, but in the future and budgeting for your pet's care over time. And we're trying to break that habit of looking at the here now, what is immediately more or less expensive and how is this going to change? And that's particularly important for a product that doesn't cover pre-existing conditions because it's not easy to switch insurance policies. If you switch insurance policies or providers, anything that you would have encountered in the past from a medical needs perspective for your animal would be considered pre-existing upon the switch because you start a new waiting period for coverage. So once you buy an insurance policy, typically that's the one you're going to stick to. So it's really important that you find the right one initially. I also want to provide just another example that's really common that I feel like a lot of people don't fully understand. So about 60% or so pet owners are mixed breed animal owners. And when you think about a mixed breed, they can be a bunch of different mixed breeds. And insurance companies will use your report, basically, of what breed you think that you have. And so if you've got a golden doodle, well, okay, you could report them as a golden retriever mix, a poodle mix a generic mix. You could report it technically as a golden retriever if you wanted to. Each provider is different in sort of the bounds that they set for what you can and cannot enter. But that one decision alone about how you designate your breed influences price by upwards of 40%. And insurance companies aren't going to make you take a DNA test for your animal. So they're largely just trusting your decision. And as long as it closely resembles what the veterinary records show, it truly is up to you, the pet owner, to designate what kind of breed that you have. And so we think it's important to coach pet owners on that decision and to help them understand that while you think 
that maybe reporting your pet as a poodle mix sounds cuter perhaps than a golden retriever mix or vice versa, that you really should be taking cost into consideration in that decision that you make. Yeah. And actually feeds perfectly into the next question that I wanted to, to talk about because I had someone that's a listener of the show ask me some questions. And one of them that they had asked was trying to better educate themselves in the offering so they can promote it to pet parents better. And then how is policy partnering with clinics around the country? Like that story right there, if I'm a veterinarian and I hear them like, shoot, I can just use that story to explain, hey, this is why I'm valuable. I want to make sure that I'm able to be in your corner, make sure you find the right thing. But here is a great tool that'll help walk you through that. I know, by the way, here's some education alongside of it. But can you talk about some of the stuff that you were doing to educate there? Sure. And I think a good place to start may be to discuss what veterinarians encounter on the topic of insurance and how they sort of navigate it today and how that's rapidly changing. So when a vet typically talks to us about their experience with insurance, some of the things that come to mind for them are the liability of talking about one provider and recommending a specific insurance product when they are not a licensed insurance agent or a broker. And it's a highly regulated field with state regulations that they have to consider. And if somebody buys a product that wasn't a good fit and they had a bad experience, then the vet could actually be liable for that recommendation, depending on how it was made and what language was used. They also don't really have time to talk about pet insurance. I think that's probably a larger point these days is that vet clinics are overrun by new clients and existing clients, particularly during the pandemic. They've never been busier. There's significant burnout. And to take five minutes out of a 15 to 20 minute appointment to talk about insurance is difficult. That's an operational inefficiency, more or less, when a vet really wants to go in into the treatment that's required for the animal and explaining how to give the best care. And when it comes to the insurance topic in particular, vets don't learn about insurance in veterinary school for the most part. There are very few programs that offer even a single slide deck on insurance. And so when a vet gets to a clinic for the first time and they start their career, they encounter many conversations each day that have to do with affording the cost of their recommendation. And very few of them are equipped with the resources and know-how to help those conversations go as well as possible. And those conversations can be really difficult. And we make every employee at Policy Advisor watch a great TED Talk by Dr. Melanie Bowden, which is all about a day in the life of a vet. And something that Dr. Bowden talks about is this idea of having multiple really difficult conversations regarding finances in the clinic each day. So you have all of these different problems related to a vet's current experience with pet insurance, and you couple that with some of the macroeconomic developments in the pet insurance space today, which is in 2018, there were only 17 or so providers in the US. We've doubled that in the past few years. And each one of these insurance providers tries to explain to a veterinarian why they're the best product and to a vet to have tens of different companies coming into their offices and hearing conflicting reports about what makes one provider better than another, it's difficult. And they don't have the time to really navigate that. When we talk to a vet, there are a lot of aha moments as a result of our value proposition of creating an objective resource that's free to use that will help vets' clients navigate this very nuanced topic as simply as possible. And if a vet wants to work with us, we don't pay vets, vets don't pay us, 
We are truly a free resource that they can turn to, and we're willing to work alongside them however best meets their needs. To date, what a lot of insurance companies have done is they have sent insurance brochures or sort of how-to guides to veterinary practices, paper products, that sort of thing. During the pandemic, a lot of vets turned away from those paper materials for fear of spreading coronavirus. And we offer those materials, but we built a new solution that's first and foremost digital. So if a vet wants to refer their clients to us, we can work alongside their existing practice software. We can interact with our clients before they even arrive to the clinic. We can contact clients who are a really good fit for the insurance product. So before pre-existing conditions occur. So think when somebody is coming in for a puppy or kitten appointment and would normally receive a puppy or kitten pack. Now they can receive digital materials directly from us alongside the vet. So there's a whole new suite of services that are being offered now to vets that never existed before. And it's flip of the switch, totally turnkey, free, and it runs behind the scenes. So now the conversations vets have about insurance can be as simple as, I support you looking into it. It doesn't have to be as complicated as, here's why I think that this provider did well with this other client that came in two weeks ago. It doesn't have to be that complicated. And I think simplifying the conversation has been a core part of how we've developed the product today. So I had three different questions listening through that. So I'm going to just go through them one by one. The first is you talked about the training in school and not having a lot of insurance exposure. Are you guys working on anything with like VBMAs or other things to kind of get the word out and like, hey, let's just get education? I would assume yes, but just wanted to ask. Yeah, so we're a fairly small team, so we don't necessarily have the bandwidth yet to support all of the different veterinary schools in the country. We've been working with a fabulous veterinary student, Aaliyah Diamond from Cornell Veterinary School, and she's graduating soon and is going to be working in practice. But she led our first engagement with veterinary schools and building out an educational series four different schools and individual organizations and clubs at different schools to talk about what we do, pet insurance 101, how to have that conversation with clients. And it's been a huge success so far. And I think we hope to build on Aaliyah's successful development of that program over time. We also hope to more closely collaborate with vets, including onboarding vets to our staff over time. But I would say that we're still months away from developing that capability. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you're doing it already is great. And just from my perspective, again, it's like, okay, this all makes a lot of sense. How do you go and start with someone early on before they're getting into their career to get this versus trying to tackle the person that's done it for 15 years and try to get them to change your process? So makes total sense. I know that's not a shocking revelation to you. You've already thought of this. I just had to ask, the other thing you shared and we're talking about is the way to be objective and just be there as a resource to say, hey, we're going to do the comparisons and all this stuff. How does an insurance company get onto your platform? I think that might be interesting. Like, how do those relationships come? Is everyone on the platform that's offered? There's specific providers. What does that look like? Yeah, it's changed a lot over time. So when I first started Policy Advisor back in 2018, I had to convince some of the largest insurance providers to join the platform, even though we didn't have distribution. And so it's a bit of a chicken and the egg problem when you develop a two-sided marketplace, because ultimately, pet insurance companies have limited resources too, just like we do. And they want to allocate those resources to what they view as the biggest opportunities to make the most influence possible. And so early days, it was difficult. 
I had to actually pick up the phone. And I remember calling CEOs of pet insurance companies on their drive home, trying to convince them why we were developing something really novel and unique and we were worth that bet. Today, it's become much more nuanced because not every insurance provider in the US actually has the technological capabilities to integrate with our platform. We'd like to think that everybody has an API that works alongside Policy Advisor perfectly, but the truth is that doesn't exist. Most insurance providers have different obstacles, which could include they don't have a multi-pet flow, meaning that when you generate an insurance quote, you can't generate an insurance quote from more than one animal. Well, most pet owners have more than one animal, so that user experience is kind of crummy. Some insurance providers don't have a quote to bind API, meaning that if we were to partner with them, we can't actually show the purchase experience on Policy Advisor's website. Instead, it's a total redirect experience where you go through Policy Advisor's experience, you generate your pet's information, you click get quote, and you're redirected to a pet insurance provider and you have to start from square one all over again. So again, the user experience isn't great. And so when we think about prioritizing insurance partnerships, there are a number of variables that go into that. We hope to partner with everybody over time. And we've got a long roadmap right now of existing partners that we already had signed contracts with, but we're just in the process of onboarding or they're working on their technological capabilities to make sure that it's the most positive experience possible. But when we think about partnering with folks, obviously, we want to work with brands that have been around for a long time that are trustworthy. And when I think about trustworthiness, I think about customer experience. Are what you advertising exactly what you're providing to customers? Are you increasing base insurance rates, meaning like the base rates across the board that every pet owner will pay the insurance provider separate from breed variables that will increase or decrease the price, but just the base amount of the insurance product from an underwriting standpoint, sometimes insurance companies will change that drastically in any given year. What is an insurance company's track record for those base rate increases? Because we wouldn't want to just recommend an insurance provider that seems that is essentially undercutting price today for the sake of capturing market share when two or three years down the road, all of those people that we sent to those insurance providers are now going to face a massive price increase over time. The brand reputation, so how visible is the brand? How much advertising dollars are they planning on spending in the markets? Do vets love them? Do they cherish them, right? Like they offer a really good experience. There's so many different variables that go into identification and then prioritization of those onboardings. What we've done to mitigate some of that long tail risk of, okay, we understand we can't onboard everybody at the flick of a switch. It's going to be a process over time. We have added pages to our platform, think analysis on our blog for every provider in America, because that's much faster for some providers who don't have the technological resources or know-how to integrate with our platform. So we like to think of ourselves as an all-in-one education platform, because even if somebody comes to us and says, you know, hey, I am looking to better understand this insurance provider, and maybe it's the 20th largest insurance provider in America, and we haven't yet integrated with them, we can point them to the resources to be able to navigate that experience to the best of our ability. But for the most part, we have a tremendous representation on our platform already today, and we're really excited about some upcoming announcements for some remaining players that we are just getting around to onboarding. Got it. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. And then the last one of going back to things you talked about before, which is great because it kind of fed into a handful of questions. You talked about integrations. Can you talk a little bit about how from a technology standpoint, integrations with whether it's current workflows within an office, PIMS, all that, kind of how 
you all play in that space? Yeah. So the idea is that we basically partner alongside a practices, practice management system, and we offer a menu of best practices. So as we've grown as a company, we've really learned what seems to work and resonate the best with pet owners. And when we work with a clinic, we can also explain to them, here are the benchmarks in your area or for other similar clinics and kind of what you would expect by choosing different menu options of how you want to engage with your clients about pet insurance. It is ultimately the practice's decision as to how they want to activate policy advisor in their clinic. And we're happy to support them and their current workflows. It's not like working with a new pharmacy or something like that. When I say flick of the switch, I mean flick of the switch. If a vet wants to work with us, we provide you the menu options. But besides that, you check off what you want in terms of how you want to engage. Do you want to email, text clients? When do you want to do that? What sort of appointment types? All of that, right? You choose that and then all of a sudden we set it up. And we work with 90% of practice management systems out on the market today. So if you're using one of the most common PIMs, then we're happy to support you. And then for those that maybe just want a link on their website, right? We're happy to support that too. Social media content. I mean, you name it, we've been asked for it. So we're happy to support that's however they need to be supported. Yep. Another question that came in from a listener was point of care reimbursement. Is that going to be an industry standard? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So policy advisor uh, does not have plans on doing anything claim reimbursement related. Actually, there is IP in the space regarding what is considered instant claim reimbursement. And so there's limitations, at least in the near future, on what insurance companies can offer in terms of reimbursement at the point of care. I think there will be the development of additional products, think like financing products that sit alongside a pet insurance product to help pet owners navigate that interim period of typically it's like five to seven days where you might be waiting for reimbursement for the care that you paid for. So I hope that someday soon, all insurance providers will be able to offer that point of care reimbursement. But as it stands right now, I wouldn't expect it in the next five years. Got it. You talked about it a little bit earlier with just kind of the insurance providers on the platform. But in our previous conversations, you talked about reputations, everything in vet med. And that's kind of been a way that not only have you built things, but the way that you've gone out and tried to build partnerships. And Mm -hmm. I wanted you to kind of talk through just how that's looked like from a business perspective, because I know it's slightly tweaking where we're going this conversation, but I thought that was really interesting because VetMed is really small, right? It's a big industry and it's growing fast, but everyone kind of knows everyone once you get more involved and it is interesting to see that. So I think it's a great piece to get into because there has been conversations I've had and maybe it comes with even the recruiting space where people are like, oh, well, I'm really high in demand and so I can treat someone maybe poorly that's looking to hire me just because I have all these other opportunities. But I think the reputation that that associates with it can be dangerous. But I just want to hear kind of your thoughts on that and just let you kind of riff a little bit of how you've done that and how the businesses really um, own that. Yeah. Early on in Policy Advisor, we realized just how influential and how important vets are in the insurance conversation. Even though they don't feel like that they know a whole lot about insurance, most people look to their vet as the number one authority on pet insurance. So we looped vets into everything we did from a product standpoint from a very early stage. And when we talked to vets about the idea of trying to simplify their experience with pet insurance, One of the things that really came to mind was this idea of protecting a vet's reputation. The most important thing that we heard from vets that we had to consider when we were working alongside vets and communicating with our clients was preserving, if not improving, 
the reputation that they have built with their clients over a long period of time. So we take that extremely seriously. And it's why we spend so much time with vets trying to figure out what is the best experience that we can offer them on not just a first touch point, but an ongoing basis. So when we started to think about our business model as well, we thought about vets being this really objective, trustworthy caregiver. So why shouldn't policy advisor also be that objective, trustworthy marketplace? And I made the decision to standardize the terms of our partnerships. And we were the first company, and to date, I think we're the only company that does this, where we have turned down investment from pet insurance companies. We've turned down volume-based incentives from insurance companies. We've turned down promotional or advertising fees from insurance companies. And ultimately, the way we make money is we are a licensed insurance brokerage in every state. And that means that we take a commission a percentage of the premium over a policy's lifetime. And so if somebody gets rid of their policy after the first day, it means we're probably going to lose money um, and we go out of business. So we are motivated to make the best match possible. And we've standardized that across providers. So that way we're not motivated to recommend one provider over another based off of what we're making. We're motivated to do the best matchmaking experience. And we want pet owners and vets to trust that we have their best interests in mind, which is why we've really preserved that model. And so going back to the partnership question, right, one of the variables also that we have to consider when we're looking at potential partnership opportunities is do insurance companies share that same mission to promote sort of the objective analysis and education of pet insurance in America? And not all insurance companies do, at least to start. And then they see sort of the volume that we're driving, the great experience we're offering. And then they kind of, you know, they scratch their heads and then they go, okay, great. I do understand it. But in the veterinary community, I think that goes a long way because they want to work with people who are trustworthy and trustworthiness is built over time. There really is nothing that can replace time and relationship building. And it only takes one moment to break that trust. And so that's why we're so cautious with any interaction that we have with even one of their clients where they're getting on the phone with our licensed support team or they're navigating our site and start a chat. We want to give that owner the best experience possible because if they go back to their vet and say, thanks so much for that recommendation, that really drives our business. We get so excited about the positive remarks we hear from the veterinary community who at first may have seen this as just sort of a free value add. To their clinic, but then once they use us, they kind of go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I wasn't using this before, and everybody loves it. Yeah. And thank you for being as candid and sharing just kind of the relationship and the structure on different things about how you've turned away money, which I know as a young company can be difficult as you're trying to grow and you see all these opportunities. And I think that speaks volumes to what you're trying to build. And I actually did want to ask because you kind of brought up, I don't know if you'll share this or not. And if you want to say no, it's totally fine. But how many people do you have hit the site? Because you have a lot of volume. So you talk about insurance companies. Can you talk a little bit about just kind of maybe the increase or the amount of people that are looking for this? Because it absolutely is something that I think there's a lot of interest to understand better about pet insurance. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of growth, we've grown about 11,000% organically over the past year. Just um, a little bit. Yeah, 400, <laughs> yeah. We, we have 400,000 people coming to the site each month. The veterinary space for us is growing so rapidly 
And to the point where we now have such a long queue of veterinary practices that have asked for our platform that we're hiring to better support their needs. And we're already a top 10 from a lead generation perspective, we're a top 10 pet insurance provider in America. And I think that when we look at the opportunity, it's not just about growing quickly in the space or growing to be really large in the space. It's also about increasing the number of people who are navigating insurance and finding or just plainly finding a good product to meet their needs to help them budget for their pet's care. Because I think that there is a large underserved population right now. And when we look at the pet insurance space in general, only 3% of US pets are insured. Whereas in the UK, it's upwards of 30% plus. And so we look at this opportunity, we say, why can't policy advisor be the vehicle through which that market expansion occurs in a really industry positive way? Yeah, thank you for sharing. And that's wild growth that comes with (laughs) smiles, but also fits of frustration and like, oh my gosh, this is such a blessing in disguise when, you know, back in 2018, I'm sure you were wanting to have those problems, right? When you're calling people on their drive home and now it's different problems, but that's really exciting and congrats on all the growth. One of the biggest challenges that I see is just, we, we set such high expectations for ourselves in terms of experience. And we're certainly 110% focused on trying to deliver upon the best in class experience for every single person who visits our site, including every veterinarian who visits our site. So that's why demand is a great thing, but also keeping up with that demand and not developing new gaps and capabilities as a result of that demand is extremely important to us. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to kind of throw out a question just to hear your reply. Maybe you've kind of already addressed it in some form or fashion, but if you were a clinic owner, how would you kind of position policy today if you were the veterinarian? So Woody DVM, how are we positioning things? Yeah. So I would request a lunch and learn from the policy advisor team probably to start things off because who doesn't like a nice sandwich in a busy day? So basically we run lunch and learns around the country. They're done remotely. You know, it's a great sort of half hour experience with a policy team member to learn about head insurance, first of all, but also to learn about policy advisor and to ideate on ways that can best serve, uh, policy can best serve the clinic, right? Because each clinic is different. They have unique needs, desires from their experience with pet insurance or financing. And we're here to provide them the toolkit to be able to have those conversations. Best practice from my perspective is getting set up with policy advisor alongside the practice management system, employ our best practices for how to communicate with pet owners via that tool, which typically runs behind the scenes. And then as people are coming into the clinic, I do think that there is still a role for the veterinary team to bring up the topic of insurance as a matter of like to do in particularly wellness appointments. So if somebody's coming in for a puppy or kitten visit or a wellness appointment to have on the checklist, did you hear from us via policy advisor? Did you learn about pet insurance? I think this is important. Just supporting the idea that it is important to consider the future cost of your pet's care greatly helps to alleviate problems with affordability in the future. And so all of those difficult conversations I was talking about that Dr. Melanie Bowden experienced on a day-to-day basis that she talks about in her TED Talk, my dream would be to reduce the difficulty to from a 10 to a zero. And part of the reason for that would be you talk to pet owners at the right time, you help them navigate it, and then there's a solution for that pet owner, regardless of what their circumstances are at the clinic. Absolutely. 
Dr. Bowden, I can never remember the exact number, but she's been a guest on the show. Awesome conversation. And so check that one out. You can go and search for that conversation with her. And I know we chatted when she was releasing her book. I think that's when right before her book launched. But what's something I haven't asked you about yet that you think is really vital to understand or important around what you guys do or just the industry in general? Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions out there in the pet insurance space is that a lot of these companies are really profit driven. Obviously, businesses need to survive and ideally thrive. When it comes to insurance, a lot of the biggest problems that occur and the biggest source of complaints is, from my perspective, a lack of education about what people are purchasing and how it applies to them. And you can consider that to be somebody buying a product that may not best meet their needs. And then so when their pet encounters an emergency and they don't get the coverage that they expected, it's typically because you can follow that pet owner's journey through that product experience. And there are a million different fingers to be pointed along that experience, right? We fundamentally think that that experience shouldn't occur and policy advisor can help out to avoid that experience. But we hear all the time, people will recommend their insurance provider to their friends, or a vet may say, I recommend everybody but this provider. And a lot of that premise is based off of their individual experience or one, like a sample size of one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've got two different pets. They're on two different insurance policies because I truly believe that it is a personalized experience that best serves the pet owner. And my word of caution to the market, to pet owners everywhere is just sometimes take those even endorsements with a grain of salt, because what could be a best fit for one pet owner may not be for another. They may need a completely different coverage at a different price to best meet their needs. So I think that's something that as a whole comes up a lot in our conversations with vets, with pet owners. And I often get asked, well, so you're a pet insurance marketplace, who's best, right? And my Who answer do you is, Woody? is like, have you used the site, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I wish it were, you know, as simple as that, but it isn't. You know, there are a lot of fabulous options out there. And I think that even companies that have received a handful of complaints, many times they deserve that second, third chance because they could be a really great option for a lot of different people. Yeah. Anything you want to drop, tease, share with any listeners about what you guys are working on or too um, closely guarded state- secrets? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we're certainly hiring soon. So we're looking for really passionate, excited people to help solve a really incredible problem. And who doesn't love working with pets? And so I would just really encourage people to reach out to us if you're interested in any of the opportunities that are coming out in the next couple of months. And then I hope people are really excited about some of the partnership announcements that we have coming up. Because obviously, building upon our Stellar platform, increasing the number of partnerships we have, especially with the scale that we currently have, the amount of interest that we're receiving is very exciting. And we're really thrilled to finally get over the finish line with some great upcoming opportunities. So I would expect some announcements over the coming uh, few months. Perfect. I'm just trying to get you in trouble with your team. Be like, darn it, why is he sharing that on a podcast? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All guests that come onto the show always get to ask me a question. And I can't remember if we chatted about this before or not. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot as well. But is there any question? And I've been asked questions around Harry Potter characters, tattoos, my personal life, all kinds of different things. But is there any question that you want to ask that you want to dive into? Nothing's off limits. Sometimes they're really off the wall. Sometimes they're pretty straightforward. Anything top of mind for you? What are some of the early highlights of being a parent? I want to hear what a joy that's been as of late. And are there any 
exciting milestones that you've experienced over the recent months? Yeah. So I think most people that listen regularly know that we just had our second on February 18th. So we have two sons. And I think right now it's been cool to see our oldest start to appreciate and say sweet things to his brother. He's not always the most patient when the world was just revolving around him. And he's like, hey, I want attention, right? But it's been really cool to see him start to say nice things, want to get involved, hold, help, all that stuff. And so he's two and a half will be three in June. And so then we have basically a one month old at the moment. So that's been really cool. Potty training's brutal. My goal originally <laughs> was to be like completely out of diapers before we had the second one. Like that was the goal, right? My wife and I are like, we're going to get this done. And last fall, we thought we were making progress and then it just didn't go anywhere. So restarting those conversations has been good. Yeah, it's just cool to have a little person that can communicate with you. And I'm not the one that loves baby stage. My wife loves baby stage. I do not as much. It's great. It's fun. I know they grow into being toddlers, which comes with its own struggles. But being able to communicate with a small child that is learning lots of stuff and is super excited to see you for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part, excited to see me. That's pretty special. So yeah. Kids are great. I tell people, have as many kids as you can. Do you want involved in finance and the other is going to be a vet? Or I, don't, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I think our oldest loves like anything like construction emergency vehicles. So I'm like, hey, if you want to be firefighter, crane operator, whatever, like there's plenty of good jobs that are out there for you. So we'll figure it out. But yeah, I don't know. I think the world of finance in just the world in general, and I'm pretty sure everyone in any point in history has said this, right? Like it's going to look so, so, so drastically different in the next 20 years by the time my kids are ready to start kind of working and going through things. So we'll see. I think if they could learn how to code, I would love them to have that kind of knowledge. I don't have any of that knowledge. I'm like, you know what? I wish I could do some of that because there's just so many things like your site, your product, right? Like there's a lot of coding skill and time and energy and probably some people that had a lot of expertise that you needed, right? Like I think there will always into the future be that kind of skill set that needs to be done with so many things being digital. That's why you find a really great business partner. (laughs) I have one in Travis Bloon, our CTO. Absolutely. The power team is huge. It's huge. So to kind of wrap things up, that's a great question. So thank you. Where do people go from here? We talked about the lunch and learns. We've talked about the website. I'll link to all that stuff, but next steps, connecting, getting information. And you all have a site for every clinic out there too, right? I don't think we got into that, but that is a pretty cool offering that you guys do too. Yeah, we realized that we could help veterinarians essentially get new clients for free again. You know, we're just trying to think of ways to offer the best services possible. And so now if people search for vets in their area, they can find on Policy's websites, either via Google, where they see a link to Policy Advisor or directly on Policy Advisor's website, they can find fantastic vets in their area, as well as some of the capabilities of those vets in their area to hopefully, you know, help with this sort of selection process. So yeah, we do a little bit of that. It's not a sort of a core piece of the business, but for vets who are trying to engage with us, you can go to policy.com slash vet. And there's actually a form that you can fill out to get in touch with us. You can also reach out to us at fetch at policy.com or call our customer support line. We're happy to field any inbound requests as needed. Perfect. Well, I appreciate the time and you going through things and sharing everything today. I will be better now through the podcast saying the name of the company enough times. I'm not going to screw it up. That's going to be my promise from here on out. So thank you so much, Woody. I really, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. 
All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.